This dynamic message is brought to you by Redemption in Jesus with Marco Rava. So here is the title of our message this morning in light of our celebrating freedom. It is titled, The Freeing Truth About God's Law and the Believer. All right, so we want to talk about the freedom that we have in Jesus when it comes to God's law. Now, if you are new to all of this, and maybe even if you're not, if you've had some reservations, because I know from time to time, I mean, folks that have been with us for a while and, and folks that have come and gone that still know us, that, you know, ask questions here and there, oftentimes they tell me that one of the struggles they have is about God's law and how we refer to it and why we say what we say. And so we want to remind ourselves a little bit about that, but we want to talk about the freedom that we have in Jesus from God's law. Now, we're not antinomians. We don't hate God's law. We don't reject God's law. We love God's law, but we embrace it for the reasons He gave His law. And that's what I want to remind us of today, but I believe you'll see some wonderful truths in there as well today. Amen. So we want to talk about the freeing truth about God's law and the believer. And so <clears throat> let me begin by just sharing with you, when I first received salvation in Jesus, I was 13 years old. So I was a teenager, just, just barely a teenager. I had just moved from being a tween to a teen. And so I received salvation in Jesus. And I was discipled for a number of years because I got involved in the church and I started attending the courses that they offered and the discipleship training and different things that they had. And I remember <clears throat> that I was taught that God's law is part of the gospel. And it is, but the way that I was taught it is, is that it applies to me as a believer and that <clears throat> I need to adhere to it as much as possible. You know, one of the things that I was also told is, is that even though there's rituals in the law, even though, there's even though there's different practices in the law, what they, I was told is, is that the moral aspect of the law is what still applied to me, and I needed to adhere to that. I needed to live by it. And you know, to be honest, it was, I didn't see it as an issue until I really understood it. I didn't understand how perfect God's law is and how it expects perfection, and it has no tolerance for imperfection, or mistakes. <clears throat> and so when I started realizing that, it started becoming a problem in my life because I began to feel the guilt, the shame, and the condemnation of not being able to live up to it. And that's when it started becoming a problem. But that was only after a few years. <clears throat> and so that's what I, <laughs> and I'm sure that it was the experience for many of you. One of the other things that I was taught is, is that and, and the phraseology goes something like this. God gave His law to show us how to live. And grace is how He empowers us to live it, to live up to it, or to fulfill it. So in other words, <laughs> what I was taught is, is that He has God's law, and this is where you can see how God, God expects you to live, so you can please Him and be pleasing to Him. And grace is presented as an empowerment to be able to do that. And at first, it kind of made sense, but it was always confusing to me. But if you think about it, 
here's the issue that we should have with that statement and with that doctrine, that type of doctrine. Because God, uh, if you think about the law, the law is a merit system. You have to earn and deserve God's blessing and favor. So if you fulfill the commandments, then you have blessings that come upon you. If you don't fulfill them, then curses come upon you. Deuteronomy 28 makes that very clear. So it's a merit-based system, right? Whereas grace, on the other hand, is not a merit-based system. Grace means the unmerited favor of God. So you cannot earn it. You cannot deserve it. God gives it to you out of love, out of mercy. And so He gives it to you in and through Jesus. So having said that, to go back and say that God gave us a merit-based system to live by and a non-merit system is how He empowers us to fulfill it. Can you see that it doesn't make sense? It, it just, it's impossible. It, it, just, it's, it just doesn't make sense. It's like saying oil replaces water. And oil will do the same thing for you as water will. Or oil helps you drink water. <laughs> it doesn't make sense, right? I mean, that's one of the ways we can describe it. It really and truly doesn't make sense that God gave us a non-merit system to live up to a merit system. Does that make sense? And so, even though I didn't necessarily voice it that way, back then, and for all those years, I would struggle with that because I would be told about the wonderful grace of God but then, for the next for 70% of the time, I would be told how I need to live up to something based on the law. And so it just didn't make sense to me. You see, law is all about earning and deserving God's blessing and favor. Whereas grace is all about believing and receiving God's blessing and favor. I said law is all about earning and deserving God's blessing and favor. Grace is all about believing and receiving God's blessing and favor. It's two different things, two different ways of relating to God. Amen. So the one is based on works. The other is based on faith. Did you hear what I said? The one is based on your works. The other one is based on faith. Now, if you were to choose, you can either work for God's blessing and favor, or you can just believe that you have God's blessing and favor. Which would you choose? I mean, it's a no-brainer, right? I'll just believe that I have God's blessing and favor. And you see, this is part of the issue that we deal with in Christendom, with doctrine and understanding the difference between law and grace. Ultimately, they are two separate ways of relating to God. And they are not meant to be blended. Just like oil cannot mix with water, law and grace are not meant to be blended. And you know, oftentimes we see the two are blended, and that's presented as gospel truth as new covenant doctrine and it isn't because it's not meant to be blended and neither does the one empower us to fulfill the other that's definitely not god's plan and design and i'm going to show you that today now i know that i'm saying some things that we're all familiar with but i'm setting the stage for where we're going here so just stay with me okay now for 28 years of my 42 year christian walk thus far 28 years out of my 42 Christian walk with God, I lived not understanding this basic truth. The basic truth of the difference between law and grace. 
and how they are not meant to be mixed and have a, a new doctrine come out of that. I didn't understand that law was for the old covenant, the old covenant way of relating to God, and that grace was the new covenant way of relating to God. So for all those years, I allowed law and grace, a mixture of law and grace, to dominate my life and my faith. And I can tell you, <laughs> it wasn't all fun. I mean, I faked it until I make it, like most people do. You know, I acted like I'm fulfilling all of the commandments, just like the Pharisees and Sadducees did in Jesus' day, because they made the law manageable. They, they presented it in a way that it could be fulfilled. But if you look at Scripture, it cannot be fulfilled. A perfect standard cannot be satisfied and fulfilled by an imperfect people. And so, you know, that's just something that man creates when they make it manageable. In other words, they would say things like, you know, God doesn't expect 100% from you, <clears throat> but if you give Him 90%, that should be good enough and He's satisfied with that. Well, if you look at the law, that's not what it says. It says if you break one of the commandments, you're guilty of breaking the whole lot. So it has no tolerance, and the law doesn't give you a solution. But for 28 of my 42 years of my Christian walk, I was under law, I was under a mixture of law and grace, and that's what I lived under. And this is why I am so passionate about sharing this gospel truth with others and with you. Because once I received the revelation, once I, God showed me Himself and helped me understand the distinction and the clarity of law and grace, I was truly set free. Because I didn't realize until that point, I thought I was free. I thought I lived in the freedom of the gospel. But I realized that I wasn't. In actual fact, I came to realize that I was in more bondage than I ever was before. Because that's what legalism does. That's what law does. It's designed to put us in bondage. I'm going to show you all that in a moment. And so understanding this basic gospel truth releases us to truly live in the true freedom God provided for us in Jesus. Amen. And that's why we want to clarify that today. I mean, don't we want to live in this freedom? Of course we do. Don't we want others to live in that freedom? Of course we do. This is why we are passionate about it. Amen. So let's talk a little bit about freedom for a moment. Freedom is key to life. Wouldn't you agree? Aren't you glad that you are free, that you live in a free nation? I mean, there are people in nations that still have dictatorships, that still have communist and socialist systems, Marxist systems, and they live in bondage. They are really not free. I mean, whenever the government decides we don't want internet available, they just shut it down and people cannot have access to what's going on, even in their own nation and around the world. I'm glad that we don't live in a place like that. And even though some doomers and gloomers are telling you it's going to come to that, we're not going to let that happen. God is not going to let that happen. Amen? And so freedom is key to life. God created us to be free. Think about it. Even in the Garden of Eden, <clears throat> He created Adam and Eve, who are our ancestors. He created them to have freedom of choice. He said to them, You can eat from any and every tree, but there is one tree here, and the reason why I'm putting it in my own words, the reason why I put it here is so that you can know that you're always free to choose to eat from it. But be warned that if you choose to eat from it, 
it will have a bad consequence. But in essence, that was God's way of showing us, showing humanity, that you and I are free, that we are a free people. He created us in freedom. He created us to be free. And He gave us a free will. He gave us the choice to choose how we will enjoy that freedom. So that's God's design. Now, what does freedom mean? If I were to ask you the question, what does freedom mean? How would you define it? I'm sure that we will all have different answers, but come to the same conclusion. Well, here's mine. Freedom means that we have been liberated from something that kept us in bondage, right? Isn't that what freedom means? If you say you are free, it means that you are not in bondage to anything. And if you were in bondage, it means that you have been liberated from it, right? Freedom also means that we are empowered. Please listen to this one carefully, okay? Freedom means that we are empowered to live as we should, not as we please. Did you hear what I said? I'm going to say that again. Freedom means that we are empowered to live as we should, not as we please. Go back to the Garden of Eden. God created Adam and Eve free. He revealed to them, you are free, you have freedom of choice, I want you to live in freedom. And that freedom is going to empower you to live as you should, not as you please, namely the tree. Because the day you, do, you use your freedom to do as you please, it will have consequence. You see, and oftentimes I think people make that mistake where they define freedom as the empowerment to do as they please. And that's not what true biblical freedom is. Biblical freedom, or should I say godly freedom, is the empowerment to live as we should. Are you with me? Not as we please. Does that make sense? I trust that it does, because that is something that is so missing sometimes in how people define freedom. They think that freedom just means, see, I have the empowerment to do as I please. No, freedom is the empowerment to live as we should, as God designed for us to live. That's, the, that's what freedom, true freedom is. Amen. And so, freedom for the believer begins with a clear understanding of the difference between law and grace and the fact that we have been freed from God's law because it would do us more harm than good. And I'm going to show you that. I'm going to clarify all that, okay? So let's begin by looking at Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 from the King James translation. You'll see here that Paul was as passionate as I'd like to think that I am. In actual fact, it is his passion that rubbed off on me when I got the revelation that he had. And you'll see that he's equally passionate here about sharing this truth. Watch what he says in Galatians 5 verse 1. He says, stand fast. Now remember, he's talking to believers here. <clears throat> he says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty, in other words, the freedom, wherewith Christ hath made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Think about what Paul is saying there. He's encouraging the believers to stand in the freedom that they have been given in Jesus. And not to go back to whatever kept them in bondage. It's pretty powerful, isn't it? So you can see from that <clears throat> that Paul's passion 
is expressed and comes across uh, as far as law. You'll see now. Now, to help us understand what exactly he's talking about, which is accurately translated from the original, let's have a look at the same portion, the same verse from the New Living Translation. Watch how it puts it. So Christ has truly set us free. You see, there is a false freedom, but He has truly set us free. Now, watch this. Make sure. So whose responsibility is it to make sure? Yours. Now make sure that you stay free. So just because you receive His freedom, it doesn't mean you're going to stay in that freedom. It is your responsibility as a believer to make sure you stay in that freedom. Well, how do you do that? By the doctrine you take in, by the teaching you receive, by how you interpret the Bible. So he says, now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery. Watch what it says next. To the law. That's what he's talking about. So notice, very profound and powerful things that Paul mentions in that portion. First of all, he says that Jesus has set you free from the law. And make sure you don't get enslaved to it again. Isn't that in essence what he's saying with that? So we are meant to be free. As New Covenant believers, we are meant to be free from the law. And so often people misunderstood what Paul said. People misunderstood what the other apostles said. And often misunderstood what Jesus said. Because how often do you see and you read in the Bible that they accused Paul, they accused Timothy, they accused Jesus, they accused the apostles of coming against the law and speaking against the law. And you know, I've had that accusation too. And I'm sure you have by now. People sometimes when we say these things, they think we hate the law, we're coming against the law, and we're not. We just want to make sure we understand why and what its role is, right? But here you see the passion of the Apostle Paul. And he's speaking to you and I as believers. And he's saying, Jesus has set you free. He set you free from the law. He says, now, it is your responsibility, it is your job to make sure that you stay in that freedom from the law and don't go back to it because it will enslave you. That's what he said. I mean, it couldn't be any clearer than that. Isn't that so? So what we see from that too is, is that the law puts people in bondage. It makes slaves out of them. And I think about my experience. This is why I shared a little bit about it in the beginning. I think about my experience. I was so glad that God saved me. I was so glad that I was on my way to heaven. But let me tell you, the majority of the time, I kept hearing how if I don't do this, this bad thing's going to happen to me. And if I do this good thing, then God's going to pat me and say, good boy. And, you know, most of the time I had all these struggles because, you know, the sin principle is always there. So I always faced temptations and thoughts and you know, things to watch that were not godly. And so I would carry this guilt, shame, and condemnation. And little did I realize that over time, the law made a slave out of me. It made me slave to serve it. It made me a slave to guilt, shame, and condemnation. And that's what Jesus has set us free from. Amen. And so Jesus himself, just like our forefathers fought for our freedom, Jesus himself fought for us to be free, but specifically free from the law. You see, most people say that he set us free from sin, and he did. But the reason why sin was an issue is because of the law. 
And that's why he needed to set us free from the law, so he could set us free from sin. Amen. And so, <clears throat> why was that so important for him to do that? To set us free from the law? Well, apparently, someone who relates to God by law is not truly free. Right? You've seen that. Paul said that. They are restrained and controlled by the very law that they are choosing to follow. And you know, that's exactly what happened to me. And I'm sure that's been some of your experiences. And this is why we are so passionate about it. And so that means that we're not living as we should if we're letting the law have a role and a place in our lives. Amen. Other than the one that God intended for it to, for it to have. So another thing that we see here is, is that every believer has the responsibility of making sure that they live free from the law. That they live in the freedom that they have in Jesus from the law. Otherwise, it will, they will find themselves in bondage again to the law. Amen. And it is so easy. Let me tell you, on a day-to-day -day basis, it is so easy to just get back into your performance. Like, okay, I'm going to be blessed today because I prayed, I read my Bible, I did all these things. It is so easy to do that and put our trust in our merit and performance instead of, praise God, I know this is going to be a blessed day because Jesus died on the cross for me, as me, and with my sin and for my sin. And because of that, I have the grace, the unmerited favor of God on my side. It's a lot harder for someone to accept that. But notice how passionate and adamant the Apostle Paul was about preserving this truth in the believer's life. And this is why he says to them, make sure that you live in the freedom that you have in Jesus from the law. And make sure you don't go back to it because it will enslave you. So <clears throat> remember Paul said that the law puts people in bondage, right? And he confirms this in Galatians 3, verse 23 and 25. Watch this from the Passion Translation. It's, he says, So until the revelation of faith for salvation, watch that, was released, watch this here, the law was a jailer, holding us as prisoners under lock and key, watch this, until faith, the faith, which was destined to be revealed, would set us free. Right there you see, that the law puts people in bondage. Amen? Why would you want to relate to God by something that always puts you in bondage? And that's exactly how it was for me. I mean, whenever I heard legalistic teaching, whenever I heard the law being taught, all I would walk away was guilt, shame, and condemnation. And it would literally put me in bondage. I would be looking for some form of freedom and hope. And so... Notice how in that portion, you cannot be under faith and under law. Because he said, until faith came, the law kept you in bondage. But when faith came, you were set free. That means that you cannot be under faith and under law. Right? That's a, a, a simple but important truth. You see, faith frees us from law. At least it's meant to. Today we have a form of faith in many circles that appears to be free, but it actually puts people in bondage because all it does is it points them back to law, to their merit, to their performance. But true faith is meant to set us free from law. That's what we saw in that portion right there. So to embrace salvation by faith alone, we must let go of the law. Isn't that another conclusion we come to when we read that portion? I'll say it again. To embrace salvation by faith alone, we must let go 
of the law. Right? That's what it said. Faith set us free from the law. So we have to let the law go. So what is the purpose of the law then, someone may say? Good question. Let's have a look and continue reading that same portion, but verse 24 and 25. Galatians 3, 24 and 25. Watch this. He says, The law becomes a gateway to lead us to the Messiah so that we would be saved by faith. But when faith comes, the law, watch this, is no longer in force since we have already entered into this life. Look at that real carefully. And let's talk about some of those things for a moment. It says that the purpose of the law is to point us to salvation in Jesus. It is to lead us to salvation in Jesus. Why? Because the law keeps showing us how we would never measure up, how we would never, never live up to God's perfect standard. And so there's a, the only hope is Jesus. That's what that's saying in essence. And then it says, but when faith has come, then the law is no longer in force. In other words, it is no longer applicable to us because we've entered into its achieved purpose. That's what it's saying in essence, right? So the purpose of the law then is to point us to salvation in Jesus. It is not to save us. Through faith, we are saved and set free from the law. That's another thing that we see in that portion. When we receive salvation in Jesus, the law has achieved its purpose in our lives. That's why it's no longer applicable to us for salvation. Are you with me? That's something else that we see there. And you've often heard me say, <clears throat> we need to embrace the law for the reasons God gave the law. Well, this is one of them. It's a major one. Can you see that? That's how we are to embrace the law. The law is what helped you see your need for salvation in Jesus. But it is not the way you're meant to relate to God beyond receiving salvation in Jesus. Amen. So, <clears throat> let me show you another aspect real quick. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8 to 10. Watch this from the King James. But we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully. See, that's the key. Knowing this, that the law, watch this, is not made for the righteous man. In other words, for the believer, because we have righteousness in Jesus. So the law is not made for you as a believer. But, watch this, it is made for the lawless, the disobedient, for the ungodly and for sinners, for unholy and profane, for murderers and fathers of murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men-stealers, for liars, uh, for perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. That's a mouthful. But in essence, focus on the first portion there. Notice, he says, the law is good if a man uses it lawfully. So he didn't say that the law is bad. He said, the law is good when it is applied correctly to the right audience. That's another way we can put that. He says, the law is applied correctly when it is applied to the right audience. When, is a, when it is applied to the wrong audience, then it is not applied correctly. So the law is good, but how you apply it is how it can have a bad or good effect on someone. Does that make sense? And he said there very clearly that the law, I mean, who is the right audience then? Based on what we've just read. It is the unbeliever, not the believer, right? <laughs> because the law is designed to show you how in and of yourself 
You can never be saved, save yourself. And so it points you to Jesus, where true salvation is. And once you receive salvation in Jesus, the law has fulfilled its purpose. Beyond that, it just keeps reminding you of that truth. In and of yourself, you cannot be saved, but in Jesus, you are saved. Right? That's the right audience. So the law is not for the saved, but it is for the unsaved. And that, to point them to salvation in Jesus. Not to keep putting them on guilt trips and showing them how terrible it is to be a Christian because we just pound them, pound them like we're so self-righteous. No. It is to show them and point them to salvation in Jesus. Amen? Just like it did with us. Romans 3 verse 20 shows us that very clearly from the New Living Translation here. It says, For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. Watch this. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. You see, that's all that the law does. It doesn't provide a solution. It doesn't save us. It doesn't do anything other than point us and show us to Jesus. Period. Right? So why would anyone want to relate to God by law, by something that is not intended for you beyond the cross? Amen? The law is not for the new covenant believer. I trust that you see that. Amen? But just in case you don't, watch us now. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11. Now, just to give you the context, in the verses prior to this, Paul was talking about all the list of unsaved behavior, all the sinful things that the unsaved do. And he describes all of those things, just like he did earlier. And then he says this to believers in 1 Corinthians 6, 11. And such, what's the next word? Were some of you. In other words, some of you did those things. You were sinful like that. Notice he speaks in the past tense, because they're now in Jesus. And such were some of you, watch this now, but you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified, present tense, in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So once more you see that, that the law is not for the believer, it is for the unbeliever. Because we were like that, the law pointed out to us, showed us, and then it pointed us to Jesus. We received salvation in Jesus, and therefore we were no longer like that, and this is how we are. We are justified, sanctified, washed in the blood of Jesus. So we are redeemed. That's why the law is no longer applicable to us. Now I know someone may be thinking, oh, so you're telling me that, you know, the commandments, the Ten Commandments and all that? <laughs> I'm not saying ignore the nature and the character of God revealed in that. And trust God and the grace of God to help you live out who you are in Jesus. But to relate to God that way and trying to be saved and remain saved that way, it's unscriptural, as you've seen, that we have been freed from it. So someone who still wants to hang on to law is someone who's basically saying, I don't believe that Jesus has set me free enough. I need to set myself free beyond Jesus. I mean, just think of how God sees that, right? It doesn't even make sense. So if we apply the law to the believer, it will ultimately then take away the reality of salvation in Jesus. Isn't that so? Because it's just going to point them back to the mirror, to their performance. It's going to put them back to their unsaved state. So ultimately, that's where they're going to be. They're going to think that they're saved, but they're not really saved because all that the salvation depends on is their merit and performance. And who can save themselves? No one, right? This is why we need to be passionate about this truth. You see, the law is designed to condemn sin. 
and then point us to salvation in Jesus. Period. That's what we've seen so far, and I've shown you the scripture. And so this is why the Apostle Paul was so passionate about believers standing in the freedom that they have in Jesus from the law. Not just general freedom, but he was specifically, as I've shown you, he was talking about freedom from the law. He says, Jesus has set you free from the law. Now I want you to live in that freedom. It is your responsibility to make sure that you stay in that freedom and don't go back to bondage to the law. He was passionate about that. Amen. Look at Galatians chapter 3 verse 10. I want to show you another aspect here of what I've been talking about here. He says, For all who depend on the law, seeking justification and salvation by obedience to the law, and observe and the observance of its rituals, watch this. <laughs> this is, Paul wrote this, inspired by the Lord, are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed, condemned to destruction, is everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law, so as to practice them. Look at that real carefully. Anyone who chooses to relate to God by law and seek to be saved and remain saved by law is under a curse. See that? I mean, think about that for a moment. It's sobering, right? It's a sobering thought. Who wants to live under a curse? Well, not me. <laughs> so that's why when I realized this many years ago, I decided I am not going to relate to God by law because I don't want to be under a curse. Because the minute you fall, you fail and you fall short, curse comes upon you. Deuteronomy 28 made it very clear, right? So imperfect people cannot live up to a perfect law. This is why Jesus set us free from it. You see, it's not about, I'm not talking about doing away with the law in your life. I'm talking about applying it correctly to the right audience. I've shown you that, right? That's what we're talking about. Here's another aspect of the law. Romans 7 verse 8 in the believer. From the Amplified. But sin, watch this real carefully because he has another deep aspect here. But sin, finding an opportunity, watch this, through the commandment, in other words, through the law, to express itself produced in me every kind of coveting and selfish desire. For, watch this, without the law, sin is dead. The recognition of sin is inactive. Just think on that for a moment. What is he saying there? He is saying that with law, sin thrives. Isn't that so? I mean, you can't see that any other way. So when there's law in the picture, sin thrives. So all God's perfect law does then to an imperfect people is incite sin. That's what that portion is telling us. Correct? All the law is going to do, God's perfect law is going to do in your life, is incite sin in your life. Do you want me to give you an illustration, a basic example? I'm going to give you a law that I'm making. Okay? And the minute I give it to you, don't go and break it. Don't go and go against or do what I told you not to do. Okay? I'm going to show you this principle, this example at work now how sin uses the law to produce its desired evil result. Okay, are you ready? 
All right, <clears throat> on top of the screen, on the right-hand side, I think it is, you'll see the church logo, the website address. Don't look at it, okay? The rest of the time that I share this message, I don't want you to even peek at it or take a look at it. How many of you already broke that law? How many of you already looked at it? <laughs> and I guarantee you, within the next few minutes, you will end up looking at it. Why? Because that's the nature of the law. The minute you make it a law, sin comes in and takes advantage of it and taps into the fallen nature and says, go against it, do it. And we end up doing it. And that's in essence what this portion is saying over here. But yet it says, when there is no law, sin is dead. See, until I pointed out to you about the logo, it wasn't an issue. But now that I pointed it out to you, it's an issue. That's exactly what this is talking about. So the more law you impose on someone, the more it will make them prone to sin. Isn't that so? This is why Jesus set us free from the law. So we don't have to keep breaking something that we don't know about. Right? So the way to get rid of our sin struggle or any sin struggle is by not imposing law to it. That again is something deep that I could teach for a while on. Let me say it again. The way to get rid of, our, of any sin struggle in our life is by not imposing law to it. Right? Now that doesn't mean that you should live as you please, as I said earlier. But rather that you should live as you should. Which is how? Righteous and holy. Because when you don't bring the law into the picture, you know that you are righteous and holy in Jesus. Therefore, you will live as you should. And therefore, the law doesn't try and pervert grace and make you think that now you can live as you please in this freedom. I so want to explain that as clear as I can because it is powerful. True freedom is not about living as we please. It is living as we should, which is righteous and holy because Jesus made us that. Amen. It is powerful, powerful stuff. And so that's the way to deal with any sin struggle, is not to impose any law to it, but to simply live in who you are and what you have in Jesus, in the grace of God. Amen. Let's end up with this one, Galatians 2.19 from the Voice Translation. Watch this, pretty powerful. The law has provided the means to end my dependence on it for righteousness. And so... I died to the law. Now I have found the freedom to truly live for God. Think about that for a moment. Deep stuff right there as well. He says, the only way to live in the freedom we have in Jesus is by not depending on our law keeping to keep us saved. Isn't that what he's saying with that? Of course he is. So what is the first step to living for God. It is dying to the law. Understanding that in Jesus we have died to the law. Romans 7, if you go read that whole chapter, tells you that clearly. That is the first step to living in Jesus, is knowing that we have died to the law. Amen. And by that, I don't mean we reject the law. What I mean by that is, is that we let go of our dependence on the law for salvation, for righteousness, for holiness, and everything that we have in Jesus. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. As believers, our call is to live in the freedom we have in Jesus 
from the law. Amen. That doesn't make us antinomians. That doesn't make us law haters. That doesn't make us law rejecters. No, quite the opposite. It helps us appreciate the law of God. It helps us understand that without the law, we wouldn't have the revelation we have about redemption and the wonderful grace of God. Amen. But it's definitely not the basis of our faith, of our salvation, and how we relate to God. Amen. And that is the truth about God's law and the believer in Jesus' name. So praise God for freedom from the law in Jesus. Amen. We trust that you are blessed by this message. For more information about our ministry or to make a donation to help us continue spreading the gospel, please visit our website at redemptioninjesus.com.